This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 AM KFFN Tucson. KMXC HD4 Tucson. An Arizona Lotus Core radio station. The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here at ESPNTucson.com. 1490 a.m. on your radio dial. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and with me this morning is my co-host, Mr. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there in cyberspace. Remember, it's I'm on the radio, so it's a super safe Saturday. That means uh, slow down and move over. Watch for the bicyclists. Watch for pedestrians. Uh, if you're working on your car, jack stands. Safety glasses, disconnect your battery, and hood props. And we got one more week, the last week of the gym show. So traffic's still kind of a bear downtown. Try to avoid that unless you're going to go enjoy the gym show. It's going to be crazy this weekend. Weather's going to be semi-good, a little bit of wind. But uh, if you can avoid the traffic, save yourself a headache and do so. Other than that, good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, that I figured you'd be coming up with that information. You must have been really, really busy the past week. I, uh, it, it gets uh, crazy, yes. <laughs> yeah, I figured, well, and then I got to thinking about it. I went out of town yesterday, and I thought, you know, I don't know if I'd call Jim, see what he's up to this week. But one, I was thinking, well, he's going to be too busy to even take a phone call. And, um, but anyway, uh, I'm glad you could join me this morning. Uh, you know, I always welcome on this show as a co-host and a big sponsor and, you know, hopefully everything is going on out there. I know you had some, some nasty wrecks over what I-19 and I-10 this past week, uh, where that little car run into the back of that, uh, 18 wheeler. Oh, yeah. I'm going. Oh, that is that is ugly. And driving up uh, towards Phoenix yesterday, go, go ahead. What what was the deal uh, on that one? Was it somebody hot rodding? No, they, what happens is, is, you know, they're not paying attention. Again, we're in distracted driving. Traffic slows down, and and if you're driving a car, and the and the truck stops in front of you, and you hit it, it's not a not a good thing, folks. It's really not. That's why we preach about this distracted driving. Pay attention. Traffic can stop in a, in a moment's notice. It takes, you know, a mile up the road, somebody slows down, and like the slinky, it comes slamming up on you as hard as it can, and all of a sudden, it it looks like it's stopping quick, but it's been it's been going on for a mile and a half or two miles, and you're just not aware of it because you didn't get to see the mile and a half in front of you. Well, that's part of the deal in driving is, you know, look a quarter mile in front of you. And it's it's challenging. It's really tough. But um, so what happens is, is you know, you're not, if you just not alert that the traffic's slowing or that people are slowing and, and you're on top of a crash before you, ha- before you can react. And then it's too late. 
and those those type of situations are horribly horribly sad. They're they're very long. They they take lots of time to clear. There's lots of investigation that's got to be done. So it's just it's just a bad situation all the way around. So that's why I preach it every day, every time I'm on. I know you guys get tired of it, but I'm gonna keep saying it because I go through it every day. Um, just you know, pay attention to what you're driving, especially on the interstate. You know, construction. Construction slows people down. If you're driving to Phoenix, if you're fortunate enough to go to Super Bowl this weekend and you're going to drive from Tucson, once you pass Casa Grande, there's the corridor that necks down from three lanes to two, and you can rest assured the traffic's going to go from, you know, 65 or 70 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour, down to 45 miles an hour because you put squeeze three lanes of traffic into two. It's slow. There's People are get frustrated. Um, there's going to be a rack in there because there always is. So just be aware of it. That that you know, leave yourself some room to get out because what happens? You get on the road and you're boxed in and there's nowhere to go, and it it makes it really challenging. So that's why I say please, please, no no texting and driving. I should have said that in the beginning. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. And even if you're not even if you're not texting or driving. If you're if you're playing with the radio, or 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 turning and look at a site, it, that's all it takes is a second or two, and then all of a sudden traffic's on you. So it's really critical that you you watch what's going on. There's more traffic out there now. It'll it'll ease up here in a in a week or so when the gym show leaves, Super Bowl leaves. That traffic will ease up a little bit, but it's still you can't let down your guard. You just can't let down your guard. So no, but yeah, if you're you're driving to Phoenix, Jerry. I bet you saw tons of stuff. I well, I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. The only thing that hasn't changed is uh, one: the wind was blowing so hard in Tucson, so I was almost paranoid. And uh, but after being scared to death by you for the, about the last eight months, year about driving on the freeway, I thought, okay, this is a perfect opportune time for me to just do exactly what I know will keep my butt safe. And I did that. I set the cruise control. I set the cruise control at 74 miles an hour, not 75. And I thought anybody that wants to get around me can go around me on the left-hand side. The left lane is for passing. The right lanes are for driving. You know, that's where you want to cruise at. Uh, the amount of trucks on the road, the 18-wheelers, I was watching them because you've got the wind coming through with these weird gusts, especially when you get up around Picacho, and you can see a lot of movement in these trailers, these these truck drivers, and they've got the sign out that says, slow down. And wind, heavy winds, slow down. And uh, the trucks were about the, me and the trucks were about the only ones. There's, there's uh, some good drivers, but... Even at 74 miles an hour on cruise control, with both hands on the wheel, with the radio on low volume, and watching my center mirror, my right mirror, and my left mirror, and watching as far ahead as I could for brake lights coming on or any anything it would indicate there could be an issue. When I would pass the move out to the left lane to pass the 18-wheelers because they were running, they slowed it down to around 65, 70. And when I would pass them, I'd watch, I would watch the truck for a couple of seconds 
to see what kind of movement I've got on the truck, the whatever their truck, you know, the whole rig, and make sure I didn't have any wiggles and stuff like that so I had enough time to get around. And sure enough, I just pull out and pass them, wait, make sure, clear my mirrors first before you make it, give a turn signal, let people know what you're doing, and move out and then go on around. I did notice that at 74 miles an hour, and I had just moved out to go around a truck, got past a truck, get my turn signal, move back in in front of him, and the traffic was kind of like a little bottle, you know, where everybody catches up to you, and got around him and moved on up, and then I got ready to pass another one up in front, and then coming through like a shot out of a gun was a car, and I think it was a Mercedes. I don't know what the fire or where the fire was, but evidently he's one of the firefighters or somebody's going to have to put it out because at 74 miles an hour passing this other rig right after just just getting ready to go, here comes this car around the right side of me, Cuts right across in front of me, like the stuff I used to see when I was running stock cars. And I'm going, my gosh, my gosh. And this guy was just weaving in and out of traffic and just flying up the freeway. He had to be running close to 90 to 100 miles an hour. And I'm going, wow. But uh, it is a full-time driver. And when you're driving out there, pay attention to the lights. But God's sakes, when somebody taps a brake, they're doing one or two things. They're either slowing it down or they just took their car off of cruise control. Anytime you see any brake light come on, be aware they just changed something that you need to be aware of. Now they're they're off cruise control, so they're slowing down. That's normally when you hit the brake and bring it off of cruise control. And the the wind is a factor. The wind doesn't have to be blowing 35, 40 mile an hour coming crossways all time. You can have a break. You'll be running. I run for about two miles, and I didn't even hardly recognize. There was no bushes even blowing on the side of the road. However, then I got up around Picacho, and oh, my God, here's the wind again. I mean, and the trucks pulling out of the parking, trucks coming on the ramps, they're not. They're eighty thousand pounds. These guys got a lot of horsepower, a lot of torque, and a lot of load. So they're not going to be moving. If you're running seventy-four miles an hour like I do, you're going to be coming up on them. That's when I'll tap my uh, cruise control just a little bit. I just take it off so I've got control. And uh, it, it was a pleasurable trip for me. I did see a lot of stuff. Uh, I seen these daylight running lights that only had one. Uh, people, you really need to check all your lights. I mean, I don't care what year car you've got. You need to check the lights. You could have picked up a rock or something that cracked it, anything. But you don't recognize it because, oh, well, you know, you, you may have just done it or something. I don't know. But when you get to your house and, you know, just Get used to checking your lights. Take a look at them. Make sure all of them's working. Make sure that when you get your turn signals, especially, are working and your brake lights are working and your running lights. I had every light on that Darren car that I had on while I was driving out on the freeway. 
And there was a few cars that I noticed that come by me that had more than just the the running lights on on the front, you know, the daylight. They had the, they had their lights turned on because the tail lights were lit up. And but a tail light being lit up, if they got their brakes on, they're going to be lit up more bright. They'll be more bright. They'll be more pronounced. And so anytime you see that coming down the freeway, uh, brake check, you know, brake check. And coming through uh, Casa Grande, there was uh, a line of traffic, and it was a pretty good line of traffic. I moved over all the way in the right-hand lane, and I'm waiting. But you got to remember, there's a couple of truck stops up there that once you make the big turn coming down towards Tucson, and they've got these 18-wheelers coming out on the freeway. And when you see that, check your traffic, get out of the way, you know, Passing is to the left lane. If you've got an 18-wheeler coming on and he can't get up speed before he gets to the freeway, he's going to be running a heck of a lot slower than you, and you're going to be on him like flies. So you just it's a full-time driving experience, but because of the, the information that we pump out on safe driving habits, I think I used every one of them going up there and coming back and had a very safe, didn't didn't see anything big, uh, seen one pickup that was a Nissan, and they had he had his right rear tire bent in at the top and out at the bottom. This is a truck. It's not an independent suspension. It was a straight out. It was a regular differential. That tire was so bent out, and this guy's running 60, probably 65 mile an hour, would slow down. But he, when he come by me, you could hear the tire screaming like he was going around a corner too fast or he was spinning or something. But that tire was screaming, literally screaming as he passed me, and I could hear it inside my car. And uh, I'm going, wow. You know, I don't know what kind of chuckle he hit. But I don't think it was a chuck hole. I've seen a lot of damage from chuck holes and stuff, but I had never seen anything like that, you know, that was still rolling. But I bet he was in for a surprise after about 25 miles or 30 miles out on at that speed because the inside of the, the outside of the tire wasn't even on the ground. It was all inside. And that thing just bellering. I said, wow. But... Turn signals, yeah, use your turn signals. That's what they're for. I realize it's boring, but uh, use your turn signals. Uh, when you're out and you're out in heavy traffic, there ain't a law in the world that says, oh, don't use your headlights. Don't turn your lights on. Turn those dead burn lights on and let them know you're there. Another thing, these bo- these motorcycles that's coming down the freeway, they the little ninja things, you can't see them. There was a guy on the freeway that was jumping in and out of traffic. It didn't even have a headlight on on his motorcycle. And I'm going, you know, that's a good way to wake up dead because nobody could see him. I checked my mirrors all the time, and I didn't see him coming up. I seen everybody else coming up, but I didn't see that one. That one guy that come by me about 100 miles an hour, he was, he was a little hard to see because he was just not there, then he was there. So, and the 18-wheelers? My hat's off to those guys. They did a phenomenal job. Is staying in the right lanes. If they moved to pass another vehicle, they moved out, they passed, and they got right back in in front of that truck. 
And when you get back in front of these trucks, just remember, that's 80,000 pounds that's behind you. You don't get in front of that truck and slow down. It's a hell of a lot safer to slow down behind that truck if you see a possibility of something happen in front of him because he's got a lot better view than you do, but he's got 50 times the amount of weight he's got to stop. So give these guys some room. If you're going to pass them, don't sit there and run in these blinds. Of course, most of them have these big mirrors with all sorts of little mirrors on them that will tell them keep you out of his blind spot. Don't run, don't pace an 18-wheeler going down a freeway. I've seen that one time yesterday. This guy, he was coming up and he was running. You know, I'm in the right lane. He come by me, 74 mile an hour. And this 18-wheeler was running about 72-3. I'd already got off the cruise. And this guy gets right up beside him. I don't know if he knew the guy or he's reading the, the DOT numbers on the side or what the heck he's doing. But he was right there beside of that 18-wheeler in a windstorm. And I'm going, people, if you're going to pass an 18-wheeler going around him, save that driver a little stress on the inside, not knowing what the heck you're doing. So I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if there's texting, talking on the phone. Don't know. All I know is he passed me, he gets up beside that truck, and all of a sudden he's running the same speed that the truck is. And that's dangerous. That creates a bottleneck. The left lane is for passing. Going to pass, pass and get out of the way. And But the average speed, I think, going up there was probably about 80 or a little more because at 74, I was getting passed, and uh, I I didn't worry about it. Hey, you going up there, you know, if there's anything going to happen. or And I didn't see that many highway patrol out there. Normally, I see a lot between here and the uh, uh, other side of Castle Grand. And I, I didn't see a single one. I didn't see a single one around Flying J or any of that stuff. So I, I guess they got their hands full of the traffic up in Phoenix for the weekend and uh, uh, down south around Tucson where they got the big shows. And it was just, it was not stressful for me, I'll tell you that, because I didn't, I, I don't even know if my phone went off or not. I don't know if I got a text. I don't really care. I wasn't in the business watching texts. I was a 100% two hands on the wheel driver while I was going. And it so everything we're telling you about look in your left mirror, your center mirror, your right mirror, and do it with the, at about three minute intervals, about the length of a song that you're listening to. But I wasn't even paying close enough attention to the song. I just stayed on my mirrors. I kept watching everything, all the movement, anticipating people moving in behind me that I didn't see, and I wanted to see everything. And I felt real comfortable in the whole trip. I'm real, real pleased. Even the wind I had some pretty good wind, and uh, my little Odyssey just sat there and handled the wind very, very nicely. And the other little cars, I mean, they had some little, little gas burners that come by me, and I thought I was going to have to get a paint job from Spectrum when I got back to Tucson just because of that, because I thought they'd maybe singe the paint a little bit. I don't know what the rush was, and this is the wind was blowing in. And I just say, well, you know, hey, they, they evidently they're just a little more brave than I am. But, yeah, uh, other than, uh, you know, and 
uh, probably 50% of them were using turn signals when they're weaving in and out and or changing lanes. And so it was, and once we got out of Tucson headed north or west, uh, it was, it was, really wasn't that bad. You know, I expected a lot of traffic. I got a lot of traffic. But when you expect something, it's very hard to be surprised if you anticipate. So, and that's, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't see anybody on the side. Yeah, I did. I seen two cars on the side of the road changing a flat tire. And um, I seen one with a lady changing a flat tire and a car pulled right in behind her, right, just, and was just getting out. He was waiting for the traffic there before he got out of his car to help her. And, um, so when I when I got up there, he was actually out getting ready to help her change her tire. And um, other than that, you know, it went great. It went great. I was very pleased with the way it going. I thought about Jim. I think, okay, let's see if I can find Jim out here on this freeway because there's many cars and trucks and and it was it was actually very busy. But I've been to Phoenix when there wasn't nothing going on, and it's just as busy. Saturday morning, Sundays is where you get a lot of truck traffic. Uh, and those trucks do create some wind, uh, especially the flat ones. The later model stuff doesn't create as much coming off the nose. But uh, don't draft on the back end of an 18-wheeler. It's not healthy. So that that's my trip report. Well, you made it. You made a couple of great points there, Jerry. Um, you know about the lights. You check, everybody needs to check their brake lights because um, if you have no brake lights, nobody can see you slowing down. And um, it, as frustrated as you get about a bicyclist who who might cut you off, if, if you get in front of a big truck and and slow down and think, oh, if he hits me, it'll be his fault. You know, yeah. you can be dead right, or you can be dead wrong. That's right. They are. The operative word is dead. Um, so either way, it's not going to be a good situation. So um, tr- tr- trying to trying to uh, uh, play play chicken with a truck is. I mean, I don't care if he's driving crazy or he's driving perfect. It's not something to tangle with. It's the same as a bicyclist, you know, wanting to tangle with the car. You know, it's the same. It's the same analogy right. because the, the bicyclist gets out there and. You know, thinks he's he's right for, or or not, and it only takes a split second for you to hit to tap a bicyclist, and he's on the ground with no protection. So, and that's going to be a bad situation for both of you. Now, so the same thing yeah. applies to the truck. The, the truck guy, he's driving along, either good or bad, and you if you want to tangle with him, he's going to you know, and again, it could be it could end up really really poor for you. So. You, it's just just be careful when you're out there. That's all I say. Be careful, pay attention. Yeah, pay attention well, and try to avoid situations. You'll be good. Be a full-time driver and anticipate. Anticipate what could happen. And if people coming by you, uh, everything is clear. You're running the speed limit. They're running a little bit over the speed limit, just passing you on the left lane, and they get up beside you. When they come by, watch the right front tire. Watch that car movement, you know, because if you're texting, it could be drifting to your lane at 80 miles an hour. It's only a 
second before they're right against you or right in front of you. So just anticipate, you know, let them come on by. You can watch them and see what they're doing. You can look at the cars just because you think the cars are a later model car. It, it is so hard to tell what car is a, I'll give you an example, uh, 2016, 2015. That car is over, what, eight years old now? And it looks like the car that just passed you that's probably a 2022. And you can't tell the difference. You don't know what kind of tires he's got on there. You don't know if he's running tires that the DOT number has expired. The sidewalls are tired. The sidewalls are hard. The tire pressure's up. The tire could blow right beside you. I've had it happen to me. I know what I'm talking about now. So if they have a tire blowout right beside you, before they can react, they're on top of you. If they're right beside you at that speed, they're there. And if you're lucky and you've got good brakes and you stand on them because they will panic and probably hit the brakes. When they do, that's, a, that's not good. They will pull right over in front of you. I had a guy that did that to me at about 65 miles an hour coming out of California. And if if his chrome bumper had an extra layer of chrome on it, we'd have been wrapped up on Interstate 10 coming out of California. There's no way because I I, I, I did everything, and I'm, I'm black in the road. I've got mine locked down. And it is just, you know, doing everything it can do to keep from uh, running over this guy. And I'm trying to match his speed slowing down without hitting him. I got lucky. I did. However, I will never forget that. And guess who checks every car that comes by me on the freeway? I look at the left front of the right front tire to see if that tire is, is still staying up or if it's low or mostly if he's going to blow it out and come right over, do I have an exit on the freeway? That's a reason I like the right lane. You've always got the shoulder of the road you can get to. Maybe a little bumpy, but you've got at least an exit that you can get off. So, But if you do have a flat tire on the freeways, uh, turn your signals on, turn your flashers on, and start making your exit. Don't lock your car down. You will not like the results. You know, you can slow it down. You can cover the brake and apply pressure. But if you lock that son of a gun down, that tire's going to quit. The the one with the least resistance is the one that's going to be giving you the problem. And that'll be the flat one. And that'll be the one that's slapping the rubber around the suspension components and stuff like that. When that thing locks up that right front suspension, you will go to the right. So if you use your brakes to control it, then you can probably get off to the right because the people around you are going to realize in a hurry that you've got a problem. So just uh, as Jim says, pay attention. And he brought up something a while ago. And coming back from Castle Grand, I had my wife passenger, and she was programming the radio, and she was putting some stuff that she has on her phone into the USB ports or whatever she was doing over there, but she was doing that. And I'm riding, and I'm looking while she's doing this type of stuff. 
And I'm going, now, if she was driving, would she have done this before she left home? Or would she have waited until she got out on the freeway and be driving and trying to program this thing on the same, put it in on the same time? It took her probably two minutes to get that thing going. And I'm going, that's one of the distractions. When Jim mentioned adjusting the radio, if you go by your finger on your radio itself and you start adjusting that, you'll hit a button and then you want to glance over and see what station you're on. You're 74 miles an hour. How much time do you think you have at a glance? In the period of a glance at 74 miles an hour, you have covered some territory. And the older we get, the longer it takes us to zero in on the numbers and stuff like that in a car. You know, the only thing I watch is my oil pressure gauge, oil light, and speedometer. And you set the cruise control, and now we've got the fancy dashes that will bring up the exact mile an hour you're driving by number. You're running 74 miles an hour. Okay. Speed limit 75, I'm good. Unless, but I want to put something else out there that we don't seem to think about. 75 miles an hour on Interstate 10 is based on perfect condition. It's not based on the wind blowing, or they wouldn't put that darn sign up. It's not based on heavy rain. It is based on perfect driving conditions. In other words, this is perfect driving conditions. Your car will stop in the length of time that it was designed to stop because the roads are not wet. You don't have snow on them. You don't have uh, sand and stuff on them from Haboob going to Phoenix. And people... Just keep driving. Okay, well, 75, I can run 75. You're going to run 75 in a hailstorm? You're going to run 75 in a windstorm where the side wind is coming through at a, well, Cass Grand, what does it get up to, Jim? About 50 on a side draft going through uh, Picacho? At least, at least. Yeah, and so you're cruising along. Oh, it's 75, I can go 75. Well, they said this curve is 45. Yeah, when it's dry, what happens when you've got water running across in the middle of the darn turn? Still 45? Nope. So, people, the road speeds is a recommendation on perfect weather, perfect circumstances. High volume of traffic is not a perfect circumstance. It's got to be moderate traffic. So just remember that those speed signs, they're based on perfect. So next time you hit the freeway, you say, okay, now, that idiot on the radio said that the, these things are actually recommendations. So I need to pay 100%. I need to be a 100% driver. I'm not going to text. And if that darn phone goes off again, I'm going to throw it out the window. But just be a 100% driver and remember those signs, those speed signs are based on perfect road conditions with moderate traffic, okay? 
and it still don't say that you won't have to hit your brakes, and it still don't say that you'll have to take it off, and you'll have to slow down because you've got heavier traffic now. I just can't set the cruise control on it and run through traffic and go the right lane, go the left lane, and do stupid stuff all the way out and scare the crap out of everybody else and create a blood pressure increase for the truck drivers out there trying to keep them running over you. So, okay, I'm done now. <laughs> you guys think you want to add to that? <laughs> I I think we we beat it up pretty good this morning. I think we beat it up pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. So. Well, this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. 527-44-4454. You might also write this one down like you do Frontier Towings at 527-48-1100. Spectrum Minor Road. If you're going out and you're going to try to take a fender off, or you don't even have to get out of Tucson and take a fender off, though. But if you have a, a, a collision or you just want a, a beautiful paint job, you want your paint job restored, Specter Minor Road Auto Collision, 520-744-4454. And, yes, they are busy. I've checked on them. They are busy, just like any other quality shop. They're busy. And I heard an interesting fact last week. Did you know that auto crashes, the insurance company paid... In collisions, they paid 300% more out in collisions. I think it was 2021 and 22. No, 21 is one year. 300% more money out was how far, I mean, how many auto collisions and fatalities included in that monies they had to spend out than they had previously had in 2019. And car wrecks are phenomenally, they are up. They're, they really went up during the COVID, I guess, because everybody was going different places and stuff like that. But that and your insurance on your automobile, because of the COVID and the problems that they were having there, and they had to wait for all the statistics to come in, then that's why you're seeing the increases in 2023 because they didn't have the numbers, and they're just a big, big conglomeration. They they go by the numbers. And so that's the reason your insurance has gone up this year, 2023. I thought you might want to know that. But it's because of the amount of crashes and claims. And for the people trying to get their vehicles in, I heard two cases this past week about people who had their vehicles in body shops waiting to get them repaired, they had already been there. They only had a month of car rental out there with their insurance agent. That car rental had expired, and now that ticket of the car rental is on them. So their temper's up. They're 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 having a little issue there. Say, so, hey, I thought you know I paid this insurance. I'm supposed to be covered. Well, they do cover you, but there again, the insurance companies are going to have to figure out a way now, since it's taken so long to get the body parts in that they need to repair these cars and these cars are no longer simple to repair you smack a bumper on one of these cars and every plastic retainer inside the engine compartment that's holding 
inside uh, fender wells, uh, everything. Is it, they got these little plastic con- retainers in there, and there's a lot of them. And you can hit the front bumper and unload all of them. And something that you thought would be, okay, they're going to have to spot paint the front bumper and it's good to go, or the front shield because everything's painted the same color now. No, they've got to go in, and then they get in the inside of it. Well, where it turned loose of those little retainers, everything's bent and cracked and busted and all of this. So what you thought just looks like about a a hundred dollar repair on the top side is no longer a hundred. There's not even a thing I know on a car for a hundred dollars anymore. As far as repairs, they're up there mainly because of the amount of the cost of parts that we're buying now. They're just they're just expensive. Everything is up. So you know, inflation's got us by the butt. So it's just something we have to deal with. Ain't no sense in getting mad. Ain't nothing you're going to do about it. But, you know, it's hard to understand. But hopefully you will say, okay, so if my car goes into the body shop, they say it's going to be about two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, You anticipate maybe five weeks. And I think a a good number should double whatever time they tell you. Because it's not like they want that car sitting on the premise, taking up parking spaces that are taking up stall spaces that they could use. They don't want it sitting there. They don't get paid until the job the job is done. So they want that son of a gun out there as soon as they possibly can. Because they've still got all their parts bills. They still got their overhead and everything that has to be paid. And that's their source of income is getting your car out and getting paid by your insurance company. So just, you know, hopefully you just be patient. They're working as hard as they possibly can. And, uh, of course, anyone out there that owns a business and everybody out there that's actually working now that is affiliated with anybody that owns a business knows that getting employees and good employees in, for some reason, they have kind of evaporated since COVID-19 started. And we're not getting into the political end of it. I'm just telling you that it's hard to get people into the garage. Talked to Brian Fuller yesterday. He's looking for high tech. He's looking for a master technician over at Automotive Specialist. And uh, people are retiring. People are just rotating. They're going back east to be with mom and dad or a parent died or they've got to go back and take care of the estate. There's all sorts of issues that happen because life goes on. And, um, but anyway, he's looking for ASC, uh, you know, preferred, just a master technician at automotive specialist. So if anybody out there listening is looking to change, uh, it's five days a week. I know that. And he pays a straight salary, a straight hourly rate. So you know flat rate, he pays you an hourly rate. And so, you know, it's it's a he's he's got it up there. All right. So we got you know, Spectrum he, and Frontier. Go ahead, Jim. I was gonna say, you know, you you were talking about the the little clips that hold the bumper on. The, you're right you're right, Jerry. You they put these clips on there so they can easily assemble it at the factory. Um but You'd think that there would be some 55-gallon drum of these little clips everywhere because, well, they break all the time, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. You get to buy them with the bumper, (laughs) and that's the only way they come. 
That's why when Jerry says, oh, you'd think it'd be a $100 repair. Oh, I just need three little clips or tw- five little clips. No, no, sorry, we don't sell the little clips. You, we sell the clips on the bumper cover. So now you get the bumper cover. It's it's, a, it's the craziest thing. You'd think there'd be you know, like this. I mean, what, are they, what is this, like a scarcity? They don't make them. They only make three at a time. I don't know. But, I mean, there's got to be a billion of them out there someplace. But they're not for sale. I can tell you because I've looked. Um, and then, of course, oh, yeah. there's eighty three thousand oh, different yeah. types of clips, you know. And and okay, you found, yep. you found the little black you found the little black pushing ones that hold the that hold the fender well in because you know as soon as you try and take it out, you know it's going to break. Why? Because well, that's welcome to Arizona. Yeah, you yep. hold, it holds in one time, and as soon as you try and remove it, it just it rips apart because it's like a fish hook, right? So those yep. little those but the ones on the front of the bumper or underneath. Yeah, they're proprietary to the part, and I guess they only make just enough to fit the part so that you can buy the entire part with you, which I can't believe they won't sell. I guess it's so they can sell front bumpers. I don't know, but it can be a little challenging. So when you think, oh, I just need that one little clip, yeah, good luck. You can buy a you know $800 bumper cover <laughs> and paint. And keep in mind, these clips are made of... Uh plastic and the uvs in the state of arizona if you've got a car that's eight years old uh you probably got some hardened clips and they actually will snap they are not flexible anymore because the uvs has taken all the moisture out of them and so you can take a eight-year-old car and have a bump and all everything explodes on the inside you know it reminds you of these little old uh cars that we used to get when I was a kid, and you run them into the wall and they blow apart, and then you put them back together. That's what they remind me of now. And uh, if you take a late model car, it's only a year old, six months old. Well, those clips have got a little more, they'll hang in there a little longer. So everything is relevant. When you crash your car, one, you don't have a clue what kind of damage is done to it. The body shop, Spectrum, I know, I was over one day when they were actually inspecting a car. And they had that son of a gun. I mean, they must have spent three hours on that car with cameras and all of the stuff that goes along with it in order to get an estimate that the insurance company could understand. Because pretty much everything anymore is done by digital, is cameras. And, but... All the little incidental parts, the stuff that you can't see until you're actually in the vehicle repairing the body on it. And then when you come across these things that's hidden because of the crunch of the vehicle itself, then you take pictures of it and you send it to the insurance company. They have a record of the other pictures you sent in, and they can say, well, I understand. Yeah, you can't see this. But insurance adjusters, claim adjusters and stuff, they are well-educated now, and they understand these cars are designed to collapse to protect the person in the cabin, in the cabin meaning the driver's department inside, protect the, the people riding in it. And so when these things move under the bottom and they're designed to collapse, uh, you can't tell where anything is, what's broken until you get it apart so that you can actually see it. If you can't find it, you can't fix it. They have to find it. If they don't and they leave something out, you're going to have a rattle. 
Uh, you're going to have a car that won't go down the road straight. Uh, there's numerous things that is affected by that. So just there, there's your automotive body shop in a nutshell. And it's just, it's, it's complicated. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And I don't see body shops on every corner like a Circle K. So, all right. What, what, what do you, what, what do you got? You want to add anything to that, Jim? Oh, just that you're right. It's, it's incredibly complicated. Um, measurements today, um, that have to be, you know, we're talking precise, exact precise measurements. The old day of, oh, I'll just, I'll just pull this and, and we'll go on with life. There used to be body shops would, would, you know, straighten frames in, in trucks and stuff. They didn't even do that anymore. Mm-hmm. They just order a whole new frame. A whole new frame. Because That's right. Because it's cheaper to buy a frame for a truck. And think about this, a frame for a truck. How much is it, how much you got to take off to change a frame? A motor, a tranny, <laughs> a diff, a front axle, front assembly, wiring harness, brake lines, fuel lines, gas tanks. I mean, not to mention the cab and the bed, um, and that's cheaper than straightening the frame. Yeah, it is. It's actually faster. So, and it's and it's better. So, guy, you know, stuff that they used to do, they don't do anymore because there's different procedures and different processes. Well, and all that comes with a yep. cost. So, um, yep. You, the the old guy, oh, I'll just slap it together real quick and go. No, he can't. It's, 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 there's tolerances are significantly tighter than they used to be 50 years ago. A 50-year-old car, you you know, there was some variance. You know, you had a quarter or a half inch. Ah, well, we can wiggle this around. It'll be okay. You know, that you know, mm-hmm. it's it's funny. You look at a, a a restored car. You know, a '69 Chevy, for example, and you're looking under the hood, and the guy did it prim and proper, and and he's got overspray on the intake manifold. Because that's the way they did it in '69. Because they didn't care. Do you think today that would be acceptable? No. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so I'll make you pull but, it out and, so and do you, it again. Right. So you so you look at this stuff going well. Well, you got overspray on it. Well, yeah, that's the way it was done in 1969. Because they just threw it on there and went. They didn't care. They that, they didn't have the tolerances they do today. Today it's not acceptable. It's totally different. We do things in a different a different format. Things are things are handled different modularly. So you know um, when you see stuff today and you think you wouldn't you wouldn't accept the level of quality today that they did 50 years ago. Well, okay, that's the way things happen. That's so how things evolve and get better. So why right. should you why should you understand that the guy at the body shop he had to get 50 years newer in 50 years. He had to get a little bit better in his, a lot better in his process. And his equipment had to be, you know, much so much more um, stringent. So, and and when it's out of spec, it's out of spec. And that, what I mean by that is, if the car is out of spec and non-repairable, now it's a total, now it's a total loss. And and of course, right. yes, I you can you can fix anything if you so desire, but it's not economically feasible. I mean, if you have a love for it and just want to do it, what, is it worth the time? You know, time's worth something. So when when these guys see this and, and you're like, oh, it should only take five minutes. Yeah, guess again. It takes a little <laughs> bit longer than five minutes. <laughs> oh, well, you're doing I cleaning do your that. windshield? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I can do that in 15 minutes. Yeah, guess again. 
<laughs> and you know, and then and then hey. the, the other thing is is our as consumers we demand a a better product. So when we take our vehicle to a shop to get fixed, like Simmons or or Parker or Automotive Specials, or we take our car to get repaired at Ina Road Ina Road Collision, you know we are demanding a higher level of repair. We don't, you know, the old days of, ah, you know, it's okay, it, it flaps a little bit, or the color's not exactly, yeah, it'll be fine, don't worry about it, you know. that That's no longer acceptable. We, as consumers, demand a higher level. That means that the guy who's doing the repair goes to, has to go to greater lengths. He has to be more attuned to what's going on. He can't just, can't just, uh, that'll, you know, put a little tape on that, it'll be just fine. He can't do that anymore. So... Those increased tolerances, increased attention to detail, those makes pricing go up. If you ask a machine shop guy, he'll tell you that the the, the first decimal point behind the behind the the whole number is is not very expensive. But when you get to the fifth decimal point, it's very expensive because he has to be that much more precise. That's the way we are as consumers. Okay. Well, that's this is, this is what we got. That's the reason you have front-end alignment equipment. It costs more than most vehicles um, because it's all computerized. It will tell you exactly what you've got. Uh, I mean, we've got we've got the machine. Fuller has a machine over at Automotive Specialist. Uh, Scott and Mike have the machine over at Parker Automotive. I mean, it is all computer, all computer. When they fix something or we align something, when we roll that thing off, if we roll it off, roll it back, roll it back up on there and recheck it to make sure everything stayed and everything is the way it's supposed to be. Because when you align a vehicle, everything's up and you put it up in the air to get everything to move like it's supposed to, especially with four-wheel alignments. And then when you put it back on the ground, that's when you can see if it actually held. But that's the reason you have to do a suspension component inspection when you're doing an alignment because you can have a bushing out or a bushing wore out or almost out. And as soon as the weight of the vehicle hits the four wheels on the ground, everything changes. So you may have got most of the alignment done, but you didn't get all of it aligned. Then you'll get out, you've got a little pull to the right or a little pull to the left, and then you'll start trying to justify it. Well, that was the road. That was I've heard that so many times. And, you know, it's amazing. You can drive, and if you've got a properly aligned vehicle, and I hit a sizable pothole about a week ago, and I still, I've got to get my car in and have it aligned because I know for a fact the tire pressures are perfect, and I know for a fact I got a pull. I got a pull to the right hand side. And if you're having to hang on to the steering wheel to keep it pulled to the left, that means that the wheel, your problem is on the right side because it is pulling to the right as the reason you got to pull it back to the left. So if you got a pull on the steering wheel on the right hand side, that means that the left side of the car is got the problem. So, you know, quit trying to justify all this. Yeah, I know the roads have got a little arc to them to keep the water from running down the middle of the road. I know that. You know that. But it's not to that side. Even a well-designed, well-aligned vehicle 
will handle that that degrees or, or whatever it is and that slant to the right side. That's not why your vehicle is pulling. And people they get they they justify this and all of a sudden they're having to their tires are wore out. By the way, you rotate those tires five to six thousand miles. Just rotate them at five to six thousand miles and that'll keep you from having a lot of extra tire wear and tire scrub. And that that'll take it out. But it's a, a proper alignment on the four-wheel drive cars anymore. You got electric stirs. Everything has to be reset, relearned when you do the alignment on them. Uh, you know, we've still had people. I know places that still have the old machines that don't have the computers on them, and they'll go in and they'll say, "Yeah, I aligned the car," and yeah, they align the front two tires because they don't have the stuff to align the rear. I've seen cars go down the road that I know for a fact need a rear-end adjustment. And they say, oh, they must have, and then the justification, well, I was carrying an extra load in the back end. I got a newsflash for you. If you're carrying an extra load in the back end of that vehicle, both of your tires will be tilted into the front a little bit if you're overloaded. They are designed to carry a load, but not an overload without the tires actually tilting into the front on the independent suspension. I mean, the top will tilt in. Not one tire tilt in and the other one doesn't. Nope, it doesn't work like that. It's designed to work. Both tires go the same direction. And, you know, of course, if you're going in a mud hole or you go off-road and you'll see the tire dip because of the independent suspension, that's one thing. But going down a straight road, no. So heads up on that. That's one way you can check it. If you want somebody, if you want to follow your own car going down the road, uh, you can do that. Or you can walk out and look at it sitting in your garage, and you can see how the front tires are setting up. If all four tires are tilted in at the top, uh, it's probably set up for the Autobahn. So that's the way NASCAR sets them up to go around turns at high speeds. Um, so you, it, check your front end alignment at least once per year. Have it checked. Uh, I know Parker, when you roll one in at Parker Automotive, you can get an oil change. They do a courtesy front-end alignment check. Parker's at 5101 East Speedway. The phone number over there is 520-323-1960. 520-323-1960. Brian Fuller's got a monster machine. He can do it. Simmons has got that monster machine. And it's all computer. Mine looks like something. Mine looks like something that's floating around in space. And they caught it and brought it back and put it on a stand. <laughs> Darnest thing I've ever seen in my life. And they're all like that. They all are brilliant. I mean, they have all the specifications in there. They tell you what angles your car is supposed to be. Uh, the ones that uh, have a problem getting front end alignments are the big trucks. They put these big put lift kits on them, and then they put these big tires on them, and then they're having uh, sway in the front end, and everything is walking on them. And then they take it into a front end alignment shop. For you guys that do that, and you pull into a front end alignment shop that has the proper equipment and stuff to find the problem and cure it, and a lot of times we have to change the suspension lift kit that they put on it. We have to actually go in and adjust the lift kit that was put on it 
to get it down to where you can get it aligned. You're looking anywhere from 250 to $500, $600 for an alignment to get these big $500 a piece tires to go down the road straight and be able to drive it at 50 mile an hour. So for the ones I've just got that, and you say, well, I'm having all sorts of problems with this front end. Well, that's because it hasn't been properly aligned and nothing is in specifications, and you're going to continue to have it. And if you don't mind spending, you know, $2,000 on tires every six months, go ahead. But don't get out on the freeways and don't get in a jam. Don't have to have a special uh, uh, panic stop or something like that because that thing's going to be all over the place. Then, that, of course, that would be business for Spectrum, and it would be business for Frontier Towing because they'll pick it up and they'll take it to Spectrum. And so that's two people involved. In addition, you're still going to have to pay your deductible. You're still going to have to replace the tires and stuff on it. So just be careful. I mean, don't be careful. Be smart. Have these things checked out. Uh, for the people who buy tires, and you go out and you say, okay, the DOT's expired on it. The tire's kind of hard. Uh, it's beginning to crack a little bit, so I'm going to buy a set of tires. You buy a set of tires. You just have it put on there. Well, do you want an alignment check on it? Do you want an alignment with it? Nope. I just want the tires. Put the tires on. Let me get out of here. They put the tires on. You get out of here. <clears throat> then you find out about 30 days later, I think I should have had the alignment done because you got too much toe in. The front tires are already junk. So, you know, if you get tires put on the car, have the darn thing aligned. Put the tires on the cars, have the car alignment checked, and if it needs to be aligned, have it aligned. I mean, don't mess around with it because you just spent about $1,000 on a set of tires. Protect the tires, get a better drive, save fuel economy, and it's just well worth the money spent. So, and I don't care where you get your tires or who does the alignment, just as long as they do it right. And, and that's exactly right, Jerry. You know, you can you can jump up and down and say you don't want to do all this stuff, but the, at the end of the day, you know what the biggest thing you get to save on? Gas. Because with bad tires and worn worn suspension and out of alignment, your fuel mileage drops tremendously. Yes, it does. So, up to so, 15%. Yeah, so 15%. Up to 15% on that. 15%, because gas is so cheap today that I can just afford to buy it whenever I want. I don't even care how much it costs. Well, yeah, I don't know anybody who's in that position. So it, every time you roll, <laughs> every time you start the car and roll 15 feet, you're burning fuel. So... So when, you, uh, right. when you're looking I'm, at this stuff... When you're looking at this stuff yep. and you're trying to get out some, you know, get out some good numbers, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty important. So, anyway, we're at the top of the hour, you're... Jerry. Yep, top of the hour. Got to take a break and uh, fill up your coffee cups, and we'll be right back after this.